Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Yeah, this is Faraday. Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, do you mind if we take a picture real quick, too? No, go for it. I'll get Faraday in it. Yes. Okay. He's a big cat. Oh, big boy. Okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. Oh. <laughs> oh, what a calm guy. Look at that. My cats are... We have an upstairs cat and a downstairs cat because... Uh... I don't know. Our old cat, when we moved, just like it freaked her out because she was so attached to our old place or something. I don't know. And the younger cat torments her. Even even though they're like nine and 15. No, they're like 10 and they're they're both old. I don't know. Um, okay, so you ready to just kick it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here for a very special charity episode with with an an awesome lady here. Her name's Ellie Gertz, and we're going to talk all about what she does and probably talk in mostly Simpsons quotes, but we're also going to talk about trouble, awful, devil, evil off of phone power. podcast that's a nice way to start the day yeah you've done uh, you you've done a handful of podcasts yeah you've done a few i've done one or two <laughs> uh, and uh, we're recording this on uh, memorial day you got some uh and on your your third anniversary you got some plans i imagine for later today <laughs> i do yeah we're gonna go to the universal city walk uh just have a dorky little dinner in that area which will be nice <laughs> a dorky dinner i like that 
uh, yeah so uh, thanks thanks so much for doing this i really appreciate it and uh the kefir family my student will be starting chemotherapy in august he's already made it through radiation i believe i was just texting his mom this morning but um a real shit situation to be in as an adult a double shitty situation to be in when you're 12 yeah um that's not cool yeah they found a tumor on his brain this is about two months ago i guess at this point and they they were able to remove 90 percent of it but the 10% that was just too close to the brain, you know, they got to, I mean, it sounds terrifying. They have to, and he was really scared the first time. And now he just plays his, you know, his, on his tablet through this like half an hour thing where they basically bolt his head down because, you know, they're shooting radiation at this very specific point on his head. Wow. And if you move, yeah, that's uh, no good Oof. for your brain. Wow. Yeah. You sound yeah, super it's... cool and brave and like a rad oh, guy. Oh, I forgot. Uh, I <laughs> I had to wear my oh, steamed, steamed hams, hams. shirt. <laughs> I've I've also got a feature on a uh, uh, Panucci's Pizza Do Not Tip Delivery Boy T-shirt as well. My wife, <laughs> wife got me both these for Christmas. They're very classy. Some of the merch for shows can be a little too like it'll just be like a picture of Bart or something. It's way better when it's like in the world. Right, Love and it. says like patented Skinner burgers, uh, obviously grilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the reason Can we're I talking about it? The Simpsons <laughs> so much is so your show it started. If I'm following the history correctly, it started out as everything's coming up podcast, and then mm-hmm. was it when you got onto uh, um, Feral the, that you changed it to everything's coming up Simpsons, Simpsons. just because it's first searching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> reasons better easier to find it. right because this might be a podcast does not have they might be giants in the name at all um you know which i guess it, it, i've done all right despite that but the tmbp like the acronym and it's almost like this might be a wiki this might be a podcast tmbp tmbw tmbg and then my parody flood logo is makes it pretty obvious to anyone scrolling through podcast app right but so uh and then, so how long did everything's coming up Simpsons go before you ch- you you ch- switched over to Round Springfield, the uh, more tangentially Simpsons related podcast? Tell, tell tell everyone the history of your Simpsons podcasting uh, years. Yeah, so Julia Prescott and I um, started a Simpsons podcast. I actually don't even know when we started. It's been a long time. It's been like five years or more, I think. But um, yeah. yeah, we started the podcast in our respective kitchens when it was called Everything's Coming Up Podcast. And then when we got, um, uh, we did like a live show at one of the uh, podcast conventions and attracted Feral Audio. And they really were a fan of, you know, how silly and kind of uh, mm-hmm. fan, fan-ish the podcast was and so they asked us to join and they told us like you need to make the name better <laughs> so people can just search it quickly and i'm like i it think simpsons sense. fans will get it but that's still a good point so we changed the name and um it doesn't have the same sound as e-cup but that's okay um we 
we had a really good time doing uh, our podcast where the premise is basically that um, we bring our favorite people um, on the show to talk about their favorite episode of The Simpsons. The one caveat is that um, the episode cannot have already been selected. And so it's a um, lot like this podcast, you know, yes. song by song. Right. Exactly. And so The Simpsons obviously has so many seasons that it could theoretically go on for years and years and years. However, um, my my relationship with The Simpsons is such that I haven't seen all of the later seasons and, you know. <gasps> Gasp! I'm know. A simply stopping so horrified. Uh, let me just chime <laughs> in and say March 21st, 2015 was Bart's Comet with Alex Hirsch. Um, though that is like episode zero. Episode one is Flaming Moe's with J. Elvis Weinstein. Weinstein? Weinstein? Uh, March 30th, 2015. Yeah, I mean, our first episode with, was with Alex. I don't know why I would say. I guess it was our pilot, so it was numbered zero. I'm not sure. There you go. But, sure. Um, but he was our first episode. We didn't know what we were doing, but it was a blast. And Alex Hirsch, the creator of Gravity Falls, is an amazing first guest. And um, Yeah, so at a certain point, we kind of were like, well a lot of people's favorite episodes have already been picked and the people yeah. that were asking to come on the show have also not been like up to date with keeping up with the Simpsons, which is only natural. Like it's been on so long. It is hard to watch every single one. A lot of your life happens during there's, you know, it started when I was in fourth grade. So like I was a fourth grade skateboarder. Uh, mm-hmm. I was not a troublemaker like Bart is, but like I was in fourth grade show started in fourth grade. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, we got a dog. So my last name is Simpson. So obviously, you gotta. Uh, we either love dog, it or hate it. <laughs> right. So our dog, uh, you know, Pilar was like, Santa's a little helper. I'm like, no, his name is Bart because he's already got a last <laughs> name Simpson. So we had Bart Simpson and the show has long outlived this little Norfolk Terrier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Um, yeah. The show has been on longer than I've been alive. So it's definitely like I was born into loving the Simpsons. But um yeah, so we wanted to keep going with the podcast. We had a lot of Simpsons writers and Simpsons talent on our original version of the show. And um, then we decided, like, we actually really love talking to these guests, um, mm-hmm. but we aren't really getting to know them because we're just going so deep into the episode. Why don't we do a new format where we only talk to people who have worked on the show directly? And then we'll kind of make it like a Mark Marin WTF type of interview show where we're yeah. talking about childhood and failures, failed pilots, the, you know, the things that we don't know about you. And so it's a yeah. limited series. It was supposed to be 20 episodes, but we've extended to 25 our final episode is going to have Matt Groening, and it's a two-parter because oh. it is a very wonderful in-depth interview. And You've already Matt, recorded it, right? We've already recorded it, and um, yeah, Matt Groening was, was so wonderful to talk to us at all, but the fact that he talked as... He stayed on as long as he did, but super gracious, super funny. It was great. So Didn't fire a revolver out, uh, at you? <laughs> Get out of my office! He would have, but we were on Zoom, so he just ended up shooting you know, one of his computer. many Emmys. Yeah. <laughs> That is so awesome. I remember seeing that episode and be like, wait, it's not groaning? It's graining? I'm like, that must be a joke. Like, I thought they were fucking with us. I'm like, oh, wait, that is really how you say it? Uh, Funny. Yeah. Growing up as a Simpson has been fun. Uh, I mean, the OJ Simpson part, that was not as fun. Um, right. <laughs> though it was more clear that I was not related to them. But they're like, did you start The Simpsons? My students still ask me this because I'm Mr. Simpson. I teach elementary school. I've got a Bart Simpson and Lisa Simpson doll on my desk as well as a nibbler. Uh, and the Bart Simpson I got from a friend when he, one of my good elementary school friends, when he moved away, he gave it to me in 
yeah, fifth grade, and I've had it ever since, and it's sitting on my desk. And you know, I got Simpsons Legos. I've got little mini Futurama things for all of our pets. Our pets are our cats are Nibbler and Fry. Our Aww. dog is Leela. Our old Beagle was Zap. So uh, cute. And he wore a velour uniform. No, but <laughs> though I, 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 my wife, our band is called Outdoor Velour, but it was Aww. named. Uh, not so much for that, but it was more of a Goodwill track jacket I had that was cool. Um, anyway, uh, people used to like prank call my house like in the answering machine days and sing the Simpsons theme into our answering machine. Wow. Uh, be like, is Homer there? <laughs> <laughs> you That's know, fun. before caller ID. Yeah, sure. yeah, it was fine. You know, um, but uh, it's been an experience. And like when I started teaching when I was twenty-one, yeah, two thousand three. My students were like, you know, when I was at my first job, they're just getting to know me. They're like, is your first name Bart? <laughs> and then I started a new school. Like we moved around a bunch in the Midwest. Is your first name Homer? I'm like, am I getting that fat? I'm like, a little bit. I still got the hair, most of it. Uh, yeah, but, you, you know, anyway. So, yeah, y- your podcasts are great. I've not listened to every episode. There are a lot of them, um, but it is a lot of fun and you ladies seem to make it through the uh, the COVID times all right. It's a good medium to be in through the pandemic. Sure. Because uh, you don't have to be in person. But yeah, like Zoom calls and whatever else can, the technical issues and all that stuff. But the, you two seem to have weathered it all right. And uh, so when are these last ones coming out? You got uh, drop dates on those yet? Yeah, we have five episodes left. And so I think um, I think they'll be rolling out just throughout the summer. Yeah. I don't have an exact date. We just did an episode with Jeff Martin and his daughter, Samantha Martin. They just Mm -hmm. wrote the episode Yokel Hero together, which was awesome. So we had a nice father-daughter conversation. And so that one will come out around Father's Day. Um, And then the others, I think, will kind of roll out right after that. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, everyone should go listen to those. Yeah, these last ones. Sounds like you're going out with a bang. Get out of my office. In a way, it's stupid just because it's like the biggest guest <laughs> you could get. And then it's like, we're going to get a lot of eyes on us. And it's like, and now it's done. <laughs> but oh, well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, has anyone, I mean, yeah, being on a network and stuff, have they tried to convince you to keep going? No. <laughs> yeah. They, they're they respectful of kind of our vision of it. It's, you know, we already gave it five more episodes than we said we would. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's time yeah. to, time to time to put it to bed it uh it, it's definitely been a great time but we're both ready to to say goodbye yeah. i think you're gonna move on to like a rick and morty or a bojack podcast or something like that <laughs> i mean i already wrote a rick and morty concept album so i think i I'm know Morty'd out <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh let's play a clip of one of those what which one of those <laughs> what do you think we should play from that what should i drop in here uh, I think that the, uh, I forget what they're called, because some of them are like on the yeah, nose and some of them aren't, but it's the one that's about Mr. Meeseeks is good. Let's see. Yeah. Sad Dance Songs. Ellie Gertz up. Bandcamp. Okay. I should spell this. I mean, people can see your name in the description, but A-L-L-I-E-G-O-E-R-T-Z.bandcamp.com. We got Dance Bitch. We got Look At Me. Featuring MC Front a lot. All I wanted. I'm sorry, Mr. Poopy Butthole. And geez, Rick. <laughs> yeah, you could do look at me. Yeah. Look at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. That one's about Mr. Meeseek. It's a fun one. <laughs> I'm Mr. Meeseeks. I'm here to help your dreams come 
was pretty new i had discovered you through the nerf herder song because mm-hmm. you know it, it's funny it was just kind of coincidence that perry perry's episode on chess piece face and then your episode happened to be right uh well as far as the charity series goes right in a row um that's great i love perry oh god because yeah learning how to pronounce your name correctly because uh, just all the rhymes that he came up with, like, <laughs> shirts yeah took in their shirts, yeah, and uh, Miley Cyrus twerks. <laughs> <laughs> Dude's a genius. Dude is so nice. He's the best. Yeah, because I interviewed him for Punk News in 2015 uh, when that came out. So I'm like, I gotta Google this lady. This seems pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, I, so I remember listening to that because it was pretty fresh at the time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, good stuff. So, uh, and then you wrote a book about The Simpsons, which I'm about halfway through, the audio book of it. Uh, so how did that all go down? That's pretty cool. You know, writing a book, that's serious stuff. My wife's done it. I've never done it. <laughs> yeah, um, basically the publisher reached out to me and Julia. Um, they're called Triumph Books, and basically they have other series that are like the 100, so our book is called 100 Things um, Simpsons Fans Must Know and Do Before They Die. And uh, so they have other things that they'll do the topic of like Star Wars or like the Mets or like different topics like that. And so they knew that they wanted to do a Simpsons book and it was just a matter of like, who should we commission to write the book? And um, Julia and I decided like, yeah, let's go for it. And um, it was a lot of work, a lot of like trying to figure out like, because you have to come up with 100 things. So it's really hard, especially with The Simpsons, because there isn't anything that Simpsons fans don't already know because everyone is like a super diehard nut about it. And so you had to straddle this line of like, okay, the book can't just be for the diehard fans. It mm-hmm, also has mm-hmm. to be any Joe Schmo casual Simpsons viewer needs to be able to understand what you're talking about. So we had this kind of like, struggle of like well (laughs) like who is this really for you know right we um and it also we had a very like tiny timeline to write it and it was right when i started working at mad magazine too so it was it was pretty difficult to find the times to write it during the lunch break and stuff but it was fun (laughs) if if we could uh if we could write another simpsons book we would have a different um format just because we felt that this was a fun one and it's great to be part of triumph's collection but that um, it's it didn't necessarily lend itself to kind of like w- we would want to do something a little bit more joke heavy and a little bit more like mm, a- mm-hmm. abstract or absurd, but it was fun to do. Sure, yeah, it, it could kind of be like read this one first, and then you know, like it's like a sequel, but it's more 
Yeah, like a different direction. And that's very nice that, that Robert Smigel and Triumph the Insult Comic Dog let you put out uh, <laughs> the book. Because that's in my mind. Like, he's like, so what is this book about? <laughs> the Simpsons. Everyone already knows about The Simpsons. Who would want to read that? Exactly. God, Triumph is the best. Uh, I think Triumph should have a podcast. Does he already? He should. He should. Conan does, right? He On doesn't. the Coco Network or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do think the book is sequenced really, really well because I'm someone oh, that up until like maybe five seasons ago, I could have said that I'd seen all of them. Like I really stuck with it for like a long, long time. And then we you know, cut cable and, uh, you know, they still have them up on Hulu, but then they, it's mostly a Disney plus thing now, which we don't have. Maybe when my daughter's old enough to like watch a full movie, we'll like get, get it. But so I kind of lost it a little bit, but it is sequenced really, really well. It's on Spotify in a weird way. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Cause like you can't, if you're looking on your phone, like every chapter just has the same thing. So Every mm. time I go back to listen to more, like if I listen to music and then I go back to that, I just like scroll, 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 hit a random chapter. Be like, no, I heard this. Scroll, 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 hit a random chapter. I heard this. <laughs> so whoever put that on Spotify, maybe, you know, don't need to fix it for me. But just, you know, it, it was it's kind of a little bit annoying. But it's been an awesome listen and I should be able to finish it up pretty soon. I don't have the commute. Uh, anymore because of my being on summer vacation as a teacher but i like that it does kind of um fairly quickly is like this is summing up the character or maybe even reminding me of things that i not necessarily forgot but haven't thought about in a long time and it kind of sums up the characters in a very good way i mean obviously like you two are good writers and you've been talking about the Simpsons in depth for so long that it kind of sums up the characters in a really good way and then kind of expands it into stuff you might not have known. I'm trying to think of something specific I didn't know. Well, I always kind of forget like who voiced all the different like minor characters and stuff. Um, sure. I think I'm right about at the Phil Hartman spot in the book, which. Mm, yeah, he's just. I mean. What an icon. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the uh i'm just i don't know i'm just thinking about him in the uh the 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 realtor the real estate episode and uh just that that whole that uh, I, I don't and i don't know the titles of the episodes another thing i'm like oh that's what that's called bart the iconoclast <laughs> or whatever but sure. uh, troy mcclure is one of those like i used to say to my friend this band i was in this bass player super good bass player but lacked a little self-esteem and <laughs> He was like, yeah, I don't know if that part's any good. And I'm like, get confident, stupid. And like, <laughs> he never laughs out loud. He's a very kind of serious guy. And like, I, the fact that I got like an audible chuckle out of him, that became like the catchphrase That's for the great. rest of the band's existence. Like, get confident, stupid, because he's so good. But he just <laughs> doesn't think anything he does is good. So that Perfect and uh, I always say man versus nature, the road to victory. I say that all. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many so many classics so as far as you know they might be giants goes you know this band that this podcast is about there's a lot of parallels that i can draw between uh your podcast and mine again song by song episode by episode um big songs being taken right away like my wife taking the dr worm episode and then every time i get like a big name on they'd be like what about dr worm i'm like no that was like a hundred episodes ago you know, or Anna Ng was episode five. Istanbul was episode four. Like all of these, um, 
but I saved a couple for live episodes, which I've done birdhouse. They'll need a crane and, um, um, the fuck. Oh, don't let's start. We're the three live episodes, but you know, you knowing some of the newer stuff, like I love having fans on that are notable fans in the community. Like people are going to think it's, you know, people think it's pretty awesome that I'm talking to you. I think it's pretty awesome. They talking to you, but for someone to know, trouble awful devil evil and just know like that an elm like phone power even exists <laughs> a lot of people like perry was only familiar with the first album because he had it on cassette driving to college wow. and it just stayed in his truck for like forever and then like he didn't even make it to flood wow which is bonkers a lot yeah. of people dropped off after flood or dropped off after the major label stuff around the turn of the century so tell us your story of your of fandom with the band because you're about Nine years younger than me, I believe, uh, right in about that middle range, because I've talked to my youngest guest has been 16 and my oldest has been 66. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm talking to a wide range of people sure. and you're like smack dab in the middle there. How did you get into them? What was the first thing you heard, etc.? Yeah, um, I actually was talking to my boyfriend, Alec, about how I, I'm almost a little bitter that I didn't g- like get into them in like high school or middle school, because it totally would have 100% been like so special to me then. Um, My dad, you know, he has such great taste in music and he's kind of elitist and a little bit snobby, but like, (laughs) you know, but he's got great taste. And so he, he, he he spoon fed me. (laughs) Yeah. He spoon fed me all of the things that I love and, you know, definitely grew up um, like uh, my dad actually had a rule of like, I wasn't allowed, I, like I was allowed to watch or listen to anything in terms of maturity level. But when it came mm-hmm. to taste, um, that's where he drew the line. So he was just like, <laughs> I could watch something that's bad in terms of it's R rated, but I can't watch something that has bad writing. And so basically, <laughs> you know, so I grew up as very much, I, I was born in 91. And so like when I was a kid, the bands that were really popular, of course, were like Britney Spears and like the boy bands and you know, that type of like, it is huge. And so I definitely was like, you know, when my friends were like, what's your favorite Spice Girl? I'm like, well, my favorite Beatle is this one. And so yeah. that type of thing. And um, uh-huh. so I was a little surprised, you know, knowing how much my dad is um, uh, into bands that I would assume that uh, the Johns love that uh, I never really got introduced to them. It was it kind of felt like an oversight, although. R- rattle off a couple. I want to know what your dad's favorite bands are. Well, very much anything that has like John Bryany type of vibes, um, like anything. I don't know if you're familiar with um, kind of. Uh, well, I guess it's, yeah. Never mind. There's a there's an LA scene that would have um, for anyone who knows. Like the Largo um, is a very famous mm-hmm. spot that uh, was home to a lot of great musicians and comedians. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, really classic stuff in terms of you know Beatles and Beach Boys and basically anything that sounds like the Beatles. But um, uh, but also we, uh, he also liked a lot of like the, the rock and punk stuff and, you know, obviously like ACDC and Led Zeppelin and Van Halen and stuff like that. But, um, so LA stuff with like X black flag, LA stuff, stuff like that. No LA stuff in terms of John Bryan and like that type of like the, the famous producers that were coming out of that scene okay. and just kind okay. of like, um, for example, Adam Schlesinger, um, who tragically, uh, we yeah. lost to COVID, um, 
he he's one of our favorite songwriters of all time, just in terms. And of he's collaborated he's doing then with They Might Be yeah. Giants. You know that, right? Yeah, okay. I do. Yeah, but like Mike Viola is a good example of like the type of music that was coming out at that time. Yeah. And yeah, and he actually did stuff with uh, with uh, Adam Sessions as well, of course. And with uh, They Might Be Giants. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Monopuff um, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see here. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, I was making it my first album um, at the time before I knew why it would be a bad idea. My band name was Cosby Sweater. And, yeah, yeah, um, I remember so, seeing that. And you changed your YouTube channel when, yeah, that all went down. Yeah, and so um, my that was my first album, and it was produced by um, Adam Bush and um, Brian Spicer and. Ryan Spicer actually worked with They Might Be Giants and had a close relationship with them and I think was uh, working with them on their tours. And so he was telling me like just how great they are. And um, and I think, and I, I could be mistaken, at the time I didn't appreciate this, but I'm pretty sure that they donated instruments um, to my album. So I'm pretty sure like when we were trying to oh. like get stuff going like i think that um like the indigo girls and they might be giants uh were in some way connected to what i did but i didn't know them at the time so i just kind of thought like well that's really cool i that's really nice of them thank you brian for setting that up and then i still didn't really listen to them um until i went to new york one year and i visited so we're talking hold on so we're talking mm-hmm. 20 2013 Yes. Was when Cosby Sweater came out. I mm-hmm. want to play something off that. What song should we play off that? Because I've not listened to this yet. Okay. Um, oh, Freaks and Geeks song. Yeah, that's my. That's a really good one. I think. Ooh, let's play yeah. that then. Good kid. Sometimes it seems like you're the only one who's thinking. Switch your sister's cake Cause you don't want her drinking Bill is getting tipsy While he is watching Dallas Nick writes a song for Lindsay And his fingers gallus And you're a good kid You do what you should You're a good kid But you're misunderstood Cindy to be yours at the dance But you like Star Wars and she's on cheer You don't stand a chance Neil wants to be cooler Lindsay's tired of her tin Kim is getting cooler Nick wants to drum like Purdan You're a good kid You do what you should you're a good kid, but you're misunderstood. You get picked on for being an AV. Folks are strict cause you are a silver baby. Put up a fight, there's more than one Ellen White. You will find that there's payoff for hard work. Off of Cosby sweater with two S to C-O-S-S, Cosby's sweater. Yeah, it was yeah. more a reference to um, the movie High Fidelity, the way that Jack Black mm. says it. Uh, yeah. It's a Cosby a sweater. Cosby sweater. But yeah, Good Kid is about um, 
the character that John Francis Daly plays because I just really, really connected yeah. to to that yeah. kind of in between. I'm not quite cool. I'm not quite a loser. Like area. I'm Jason Siegel's character. i'm I'm, I'm trying to get that that you know 40 i need like 30 more pieces though to get Mm -hmm. my drum kit to you know 40 good luck into that even 40 (laughs) john (laughs) bottom died yeah like two weeks ago (laughs) i was super in love with his character because that was like my dream person because i'm a drummer as well and in fact so with perry um grip like with um me being a song of theirs, like it blew my mind <laughs> because yeah. um, I I did a cover song of of one of their tracks. Um, oh, I forget which one it is, but I did a cover song of it, and that's kind of how I like became their pal. Really, I I just did this song that I love. I can't remember what it is, but golf shirt. I, uh, I need to I need to hear this. Sure, I'll um uh, oh lamer than lame, and then uh, oh, so my friend uncool. at the time in every yeah. single way is so good. I had a friend at the time um, named Ariana Lenarski, who's a super talented musician. And so she did the harmonies with me. And it was just a cute little casual, like low, like low quality video, low quality audio, but uh, tweeted it and uh, they really liked it. And then uh, that was really (laughs) the extent of me knowing them until we both were on the same music festival at Comic-Con one year. And they Uh. asked me to to sing that song with them. And so I did. And it was a blast. Um, that was really as much as I had known them. We just were kind of friends on the internet. And then sure. they started releasing track names. And one of them um, <laughs> was called like the girl who listens to rush. And I, uh-huh. <laughs> and I responded and I'm like, Oh, this song is about me, isn't it? And I of course had no idea <laughs> like how funny and ironic that was. And uh, they just said, just wait. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm wondering. <laughs> and then, so I got uh, an email that said, um, our direct message that said like, Hey, Allie, do you want to hear one of our songs um, before it comes out? And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so cool. I can't believe I get to hear a song before it comes out. They didn't tell yeah. me what it was called. Yeah. And so I just like put it on while I'm driving and I'm listening to the lyrics and you know, they're describing this really cool girl and how she has glasses. I'm like, Oh, that's nice. More like glasses <laughs> people and representation. We need that. And then they're talking about like the Simpsons and I'm like, sings about oh, wait, the Simpsons. What? Yeah. And then I'm starting to be like, I think this song is about me. And then they literally say my first and last name. And I'm like, oh my God. And I almost got into a car accident because I was like so shocked that I like could barely drive. Um, it was so exciting. I've got a checklist of all of the things that I want in a girlfriend. I put a lot of time thinking up the attributes because I'm a detail oriented guy. So just to 
give you that quick little story. Oh, that's so <laughs> And I actually so wrote a cool. song. I wrote a song back for them, um, oh, which is called yeah? Nerf Herder Girl. Um, I'll link it to you on YouTube. But um, Oh, yeah. These are all going in the episode. Yeah. I actually love this song. Um, the only issue is that um, basically there's a small little window of people who... Uh, uh, there's a big group of people who know Nerf Herder, but there's a smaller window of people who know me, mm-hmm. me, period. And then so, you know, it's kind of like the one time that we did the show together um, was at the Troubadour, which is an awesome venue. Um, and I got to open for them. And so that's when I released <laughs> this song that I wrote. So basically they yeah. told me like, oh, we're going to sing your song. And I'm like, great. I actually have a song for you. And so <laughs> I really love this song that I wrote for them. And um it's not properly recorded. It's just on YouTube, but um, so good. I, uh, what's it, very, so what's it called? It's, it's called, called Nerf Herder Girl? Girl, and which it's goes got, along with all of their nose ring girl, stock photo girl, uh, new wave girl, uh, yes, exactly. New Jersey girl. <laughs> so the whole song is referencing all their other music. It's quite sexual. It's a very flirtatious <laughs> song. <laughs> first time to Perry and um, yeah it was a great little moment Um, but at any rate I went to New York uh, one year for some music comedy festival I was doing and um, and and my friend Brian lives there and so I asked him like hey do you want to I was actually having a horrible day Um, I want to briefly tell this story because it's kind of funny I was on this music comedy festival and it was I knew it was going to be bad because I was the biggest name and like that's just never a good sign for me (laughs) of just kind of like I really would rather be like the smallest person there but um, (laughs) I'm like I'm the headliner of Ooh, good luck but basically <laughs> yikes um, yeah <laughs> some of my pet peeves include like really really hot weather and then like getting lost and i'm very directionally mm. challenged and like my phone wasn't working it was a scorching hot day in summer um in new york and like it just everything like smelled gross because like the sewer and the cement and it was just not a good time and i was super lost and i was feeling really deflated kind of about my career at that point and i was just having mm. a really 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 bad day and then like um my friend reached out to me and uh was just like hey do you want to go 
uh, get dinner. And I'm like, yes, I would love to just see someone else that I know. This would be so great. Um, I should mention his name because he's, he's actually awesome. And I did a podcast episode with him. Um, his name is uh, just Kevin Pereira, who's awesome. And um, he has a great show. And um, he's just like, I'll pick you up in like a fancy car. I'm like, great, that solves yeah. my, <laughs> like, geographically challenged, can't figure out how to run, like, get on yeah. the bus. Yeah. Um, and so we got food, and it started to pour rain. And I'm like, okay, great. And now, like, the heat is gone, and it's just, like, it started to, like, everything was coming up Millhouse. Like, it was all starting to get better. You had your flood pants on. Yeah. Oh, by the way, my most my most popular song is called Everything's Coming Up Millhouse, and that's off of my Cosby Sweater album. So if you wanted to maybe choose that one, that's that's the one I'm most known for. But I'll put in a bunch of clips. Usually I do like a minute of something, so I'll, I'll sure, put sure, in all sure. this stuff. Everything's coming up Millhouse, but Lisa still prizes him by you. Everything's coming up Melhouse But his flood pants can't keep his eyes dry He gives Nelson Lisa's letter He believes that when she leaves him she'll like Melhouse better He gets knocked to the floor that what a big sister is for Everything's coming up Millhouse But nobody likes him at all Everything's coming up Millhouse But the friends that he's got But then I like had this great little turnaround in my day, finally not so awful. And then my friend Brian is just like, hey, I want you to meet me at this address. And so I did, not kind of knowing what I was getting into. And um, he like kind of took me in through this venue and like walked me up to the front or to like the back of this space. Um, and then he's just like, hey, uh <laughs> John, John and John, this is Allie. And I'm like, oh my God, hi. <laughs> and, it was, and I was at a They Might Be Giants concert and it was my first time. And um, it so was- So this to- is what year? This was, so I was on tour with Hutch and Kathy that year. Oh, um, let's man. see. So that was uh, 2015. And so, okay. um, yeah, so in 2015, I met- uh, and saw my so I met them before I saw them for the first time. So it was a wow. very backwards. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it more now knowing <laughs> that I love them. But it was I so the first time I ever really heard them. Of course, I've heard Birdhouse in Your Soul, and I've heard like Anna Ang. But I had not heard. I had not sat down to ever listen. Um, so the first time that I'm really hearing them was was at a concert where I got to meet them. So I'm very privileged and very. I'm sure there are people yeah. that are really. Uh, angry at me for my, and, my yeah. luck. <laughs> and 2015 is when phone power came out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I, uh, I don't know if they were, I think that they were, I think the first time I heard the, the song that we're talking about today was, was live. And so, um, cool. 
uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty positive that that's how I was like, oh man, I love this. And so um, I got really into them uh, after this concert. And so basically I just kind of went through um, their catalog and um, I just, you know, just got into them a lot. But I honestly, like when the later stuff came out, it really spoke to me. Like I, I think that part of it is like, it's great to get into music as it's coming out. Like it's great to discover older music, but it's really fun when it's like, okay, like it's, I'm listening to this at the same time as everyone else is for the first time. And that's kind of well, cool. They may be giants. It can be both because you can yeah. go way back. Right. Uh, but also there's all this great stuff coming out. And honestly, like if I listen to your music, I haven't listened to the Cosby sweater yet, but as far as like the Rick and Morty stuff and the sounds you got going on with the synthy stuff and the way the guitars are and all that, it honestly has more in common with stuff that they've put out this century mm-hmm. uh, sonically uh, than their old stuff. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but. Yeah, it's funny just because the Rick and Morty concept album is a complete departure from my normal sound, which is just an acoustic like singer songwriter, but with strings. Okay, then that threw me way off. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. No, the Rick and Morty album was meant to kind of, um, you know, because I'm a guitarist first and foremost. And uh, well, I guess first and foremost, I'm a singer. And then I begrudgingly play guitar to accompany myself. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ideally, I would only be a singer, but it is what it is. Um, That's why all my chords sound quite, my chord progressions sound quite similar. Um, But uh, no, no, they do. But um, (laughs) let's just look at Dylan, especially like all of Dylan's stuff, right? You can get really far with the DGA. (laughs) Right. But um, but yeah, for Rick and Morty, I actually had, so all of my songs on the Cosby Sutter album, and I was performing mostly like at comedy shows. And so um, I, I was actually surprised that anyone thought my songs were funny. They're more supposed to be like earnest and real, but about kind of funnier topics, I guess. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but everyone, you know, everyone laughed. So I was like, okay, I'll do comedy. <laughs> and so um Basically, when Rick and Morty came out, I'd already kind of decided I'm not going to do songs that are about pop culture anymore. Um, I'm going to start doing just songs that are more about, you know, my feelings. And uh, but then I watched (laughs) Rick and Morty and I just fucking loved Uh it. And uh, I really loved the style of the bands that are used on the show, like Chaos Chaos. And so I just Uh wanted to write something that sounded like it could exist on the show. And so yeah. I basically decided like, well, I'm going to teach myself how to play MIDI keyboards. And, you know, the whole thing is done by mm-hmm. me and my friend, Sebastian. Um, his name is Sebastian Bach, <laughs> uh, but he goes by S.A. <laughs> Bach. That is really his name. Um, <laughs> so speaking of having a name like Simpson, like he definitely has gone through that. Um, but Sebastian wow. is super, super talented. Um, and um, and yeah, so he and I worked on it together. And it sounds great. I mean, thanks. Yeah, like it was production really fun. Wise, it's awesome. Recorded it and, in my um, bedroom with like my laptop, like no bedroom special pop. mics. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, fun. that's cool. It's awesome how much you can do just like di, just like yeah. go right in, and mm-hmm. yeah, and MIDI keyboards can get you really far these days. Um, yeah, I do most of my demoing and stuff. Like I'll do, like I like to record. Like I got my. Uh, I got my piano here. I got some old analog synths and stuff like that. But demoing, it's like just being able to like scoot stuff around and be like, ah, I think it should have been this or this note should have been longer. It's great. But um, oh, I, as far as Rick and Morty goes, I like Rick and Morty a lot. I think I'm missing one. I think I need to watch the latest season. But to me, like as a guy that loved Futurama, um, 
enough to name all his pets after that. And um, that Rick and Morty came out, and I'm like, well, first I was like, they're just like, you know, it's like a South Park version of Futurama where they're just gonna like curse more. But then I I'm like, yeah, first. this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It it won me over. I thought I was really gross. Yeah, yeah, I thought I was really gross and just kind of like crude. But then it has so much heart. And it's just such a good story. Right. I personally exactly. fell off like two. I actually didn't even watch the season that has Pickle Rick. Um, like I only recently watched that episode, which was phenomenal. Yeah. But sure. um, the fan culture around it just really was such a turnoff that uh, I was like, I'm going to take a break. But now that it's kind of subsided, I, I definitely am down to, to see what I've missed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Agree. Yeah. Completely on the same wavelength there. So Trouble Awful Devil Evil, out of all the songs on Foam Power, so that would have been the newest album. I mean, they were putting out a million things around then. You know, Glean, Foam Power, and Why all came out in that same, like, dial-a-song cycle um did you start keeping up with dial a song then because i'm not sure at what point in the year the show would have been but they were putting out new stuff every wednesday all of 2015 like yeah. how deep did you get into the band or were you just like going back to albums and stuff like that i was mostly at that time looking through the the catalog from like you know the early 90s like i was you know i definitely was being recommended certain things because i personally um don't connect as much to I know they have kids albums, but I, for example, I don't necessarily connect as much to the things that like very much yeah. like Linnell songwriting. Like I definitely love like stuff that's very power poppy and very melod like the soaring melodies and like very mm-hmm. like dissonant harmonies and like just the stuff that makes a great song of theirs. Like I, I just love it as opposed to maybe I'm not as, as much into like, um, some of the more fun stuff, I guess. Like. <laughs> so like chess piece face. I mean, you right. have gone back and heard the, all the stuff, right? Cause chess piece yes. face. It's like, what's going to happen to chess piece face. Yeah. That's You're not like, who, for me. Who even is that? Oh, that's flans. Oh, I okay. Like that they, I like that they do it. I like, I would not wish for those tracks to not exist. Like I, Someone I actually was reading on Reddit, just kind of a debate of like which John they prefer. And yeah, it was just yeah. a super downvoted question because everyone was like, how dare uh-huh. you ask? Like, it's not he might be a giant <laughs> like it's they uh-huh. uh, it, like it's the way I saw it put best was just like. Well, it's kind of like asking, do you prefer food or beverages? Like, they're best <laughs> served together. <laughs> I mean, it is a classic question, like Beatles or the Stones? Uh, you Beatles. know, McCartney or Lennon? You McCartney. know, yeah, <laughs> Correct. On both. And also um, Linnell, but whatever. <laughs> though, I mean, honestly, I listen to more of The Who and The Beach Boys these days. I, I grew up on The Beatles, too, and Bowie and all this. Like, my dad had really good taste, too. Um and the cars, like I all, love the cars I, you know, so much. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's like cheap trick. The cars, Weezer, into like all this stuff, like just coming along. It's like it's cool for geeks to rock out. You know, like it made us all feel like we could do it. Like, like Nirvana blew my mind, and and you know, I was ten years old when Nevermind came out, and then uh, then Dookie ninety three, and then Blue Album ninety four, and like a combination of like those three albums, like totally just set me up. Well, and then rancid outcome the wolves the next year that was just like set me up for like my musical taste like for all time you know building on the beatles um bowie cars stuff that my dad listened to 
and my mom my mom loved the beatles too i have like on my wall back here with all my 45s i have ones that have my mom's maiden name written on them like the Aww. penny lane strawberry fields i have two copies of the double a side 45 strawberry field penny lane uh one of them has lawrence written on it Aww. uh yeah so uh and one of them still had the sleeve had some water damage Ooh. but it, it's yeah i know right um so trouble awful devil evil out of all the songs uh, that they put out around this time, why did you pick this one? Because there are still quite a few on my spreadsheet that are unclaimed. Uh, what speaks to you about this song in particular, just as a whole? Yeah. I mean, as soon as it starts, it kind of um, hit me before it even gets in. Because, again, like, I'm such a sucker for, like, dissonant harmonies and, like, super close, like, I don't know. I just love I, like my favorite thing about songwriting is coming up with harmonies for myself. So like these mm-hmm. are the types of harmonies I would aspire to write. Um, mm-hmm. And you would relate uh, as a Beach Boys fan. Um, no one does it better than them. But um, oh no, yeah. But uh, I, I just think that like for example, the the song my favorite song of theirs is "I Left My Body," um, which mm. is on the the next album. I wow, all time favorite. That's, I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I just. I heard it. Uh, yeah, so I I, uh, I just love it so much. Um, so I actually, I just really love how they have been sounding in the recent years, I guess. But um, part of it, though, I do feel like part of these songs is the production value. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the, I really do love the instrumentation on, on both. And, for example, like, I do a cover of Dr. Worm, and, like, I really like the simplicity of covering that song because it really is just the melody, and I could completely change the guitar and make it, like, very finger-plucky mm-hmm. and very, like, mm-hmm. folky almost, and you still know what it is, and it's still so great. Um, the songs that I really love, like, uh, and I love Dr. Worm, of course, otherwise I wouldn't have covered it, but, like, <clears throat> this song and I Love My Body and some of the other stuff, like, I really just think, like, it just takes you to a place musically that I just find so comforting. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny, my songs uh, that I write are extremely lyric forward in that they are about something very literal, like a, you know, Millhouse or <laughs> Freaks and Geeks, something like that. Um, so I, you would think that I really care a lot about lyrics, and I do when they speak to me, of course, but they rarely grab my attention first. It's usually the very poppy melody mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah, you're guitar. not alone in this. You, you think like, you know, I've had probably, you know, I've recorded 142 episodes. I'm, I'm way ahead. Cause I'm doing like a paternity leave and my friends editing them for July, but I'm way ahead of my recordings. 140. This is the 144th episode I've recorded. And I've talked to some people more than once, but probably 115, 120 different guests. There are a lot of people for a band that's known for their lyrics. Um, a lot of people that are like, I never thought what the song is about. I like singing it. You know, I think that's a cool little phrase or a cool rhyme, but I never really thought about it until I'm on this call doing a podcast about it. It's right. really pretty common. But um, one thing that I do find somewhat interesting is um, the two songs that I that I really seem to love so much do have this kind of similar thematic. Um, thing of of kind of like and and granted, I'm yeah. no expert on figuring out <laughs> what these lyrics uh, are, but like looking at looking at I left my body and then this uh, trouble awful devil evil. It's they're both of them are kind of about this like 
I'm leaving my body like he's talking in this mm-hmm. song about like mm-hmm. the weight of my incident body draws all the bedclothes down down with it and there's hints of death there's hints of kind of this thing of like head in the clouds there's like kind of this thing of like what happens when you're in your brain or your thoughts or your soul are kind of elsewhere from the physical form that you're in. Um, oh, and I'd have and, to mention the video by yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Paul Sire directed by Zach Tebel. It's it's almost like it's soothing in a way. It's it's funny. It kind of disconnected from the the music a little at first, where it's just like you got that synth there, like the little like it's got the oscillator sweep and all this stuff going. The square wave synth it kind of sounded like Nintendo or something. But you got these calm clouds just very slowly going by. And then eventually when the text starts popping up, trouble, awful, you know, it's just, it's such a cool video that like at first I was like, boring. And then like the (laughs) worst video ever. And then like the text (laughs) starts showing up. I'm like, this uh, totally makes sense. Like by the end of the song, which is three and a half minutes, I was like, I'm down with this. Um, Yeah. But yeah, the clouds. So the clouds. Mm -hmm. I did think there was, uh, because I was also kind of... um I guess, yeah, a video that can make you think um, is is always a success in my eyes. And it does seem to someone who's maybe not a fan of the song and was just kind of like, I'm looking for great, you know, they might be Giants videos. They would not choose this one because it's just, it's just, I say in quotes, clouds with a few text uh, lyrics. Um, it's not but, like the Dr. Worm video, which is just an all-time <laughs> classic. Oh, of course. But yeah, no, I, I did think there was some... Um, symbolism to kind of you know i i think the song could either kind of be seen as being about death or being about kind of um not being aware like almost like your head is in the clouds and so either way i kind of saw it as like it could be the pov of someone who for either reason is uh, their view would be uh stuck in this kind of cloudy scenic but still ominous place because there's darkness in the clouds it's not a sunny day it's there's right they're kind of um uh spooky in a way like there's you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh but yeah i I really really liked it a lot yeah there yeah i left my body i remember it's funny my guest on that one ian raynard just a regular dude i'd met him on turntable fm i don't know if you remember that site it's kind of coming back super cool little site where you can listen to music with friends and be like a little dj avatar super you would you would really like it honestly um turntable.fm i met him on there because we were both spinning our little like my little like monkey guy spinning you know whatever was new at the time i think it was uh join us you know playing like can't keep johnny down he's like dude they might be giants and so he was on that episode and it's funny because he picked it and he's like i don't know i give it like a seven i'm like what i'm like why'd you pick this uh but he's like, I think it should be like 10 BPM faster. So we actually <laughs> found a YouTube. I didn't even have to do it myself. Someone had already done this on YouTube. And they're like, they spit it up. I left my body. With the, you know, and just like, I'm like, this is kind of punk now. I like this. And <laughs> yeah, like hearing like some gruff voice punk band covering that song way faster. It's like me and Adam in his package. He's always like automatically 20 BPM faster. And I'm just like, no, on this one, let's do, I want to do some quest love drums and we're going to knock it back. 10, 10 clicks. He's like, Oh, actually, yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, on the, on the music video on YouTube for, for this song, 
there were also comments saying like play it at 1.25 and see how it just gives it more of a groove mm. and it's more fun but mm-hmm. but i love them because they're slow and i do like a lot of like fast punk music but i deeply love how slow these songs are like it does oh like, the groove on this one is perfect yeah it's so good. Awful, yeah and i yeah i um i just really it's this type of it's a really good walking song like it's a really good song to just yeah. have on a walk and yeah it just it's empty enough in a way like it's simple enough in a way that it's like Sparse. giving you lots yeah. of time to reflect and just kind of feel which it, it is love. just a nice andante walking tempo you know we get we get classy on here sometimes you know and our monocles hopefully don't break uh the the arrangement on this the instrumentation uh what's cool is that you get flans and Linnell singing together, which is sadly fairly rare these days, because a lot of the time, like these days, with with how much recording uh, software and technology has has uh, you know improved by leaps and bounds just in the you know twenty first century alone, that you don't hear demos of these songs anymore. There's no demo of this. There's no dial a song. I mean, they call it dial a song on their YouTube, but that's just like, cause they're putting out new songs. It's not like hearing it, you know, someone's got a tape recorder up to a telephone. They're in a booth, like in 1989, listening to Flansburg's answering machine. Uh, so they don't demo stuff out that much anymore. So a lot of times you'll hear just like, like maybe when Marty hears it for the first time, it's just a drum machine version and Linnell's gone ahead and like worked out all the harmonies already, you know, like sure. that's kind of how they seem to work. Cause I've talked to Danny and Marty, Danny's actually going to be on again uh, for a charity episode to talk about, I think we're going to talk about elephants, which he wrote. Um, and yeah, so you're not hearing like a super rough, like, Oh, I just had this cassette player. I hit play and we're all just jamming it out in the room. You're not hearing those anymore. So like the fact that you get Flans uh, and Linnell singing together, like that used to happen all the time up through the duo era, especially now they just tend to harmonize each other. And Flans is probably just like, yeah, your harmonies sound good. Just leave them. Uh, <laughs> you know, they don't like swap out like, well, let me sing that one, you know, delete yours and I'll sing it. So this is kind of unique in that way. And, and when we hear the live versions real soon, um, just, it sounds so good with the two of them. Cause it, yeah. Cause when you hear it live, it's just like it is on the record, them singing together through almost the whole thing. Right. And they got one. Yeah. Then the normal, uh, the normal dudes, the, uh, the band, Weinkoff on bass, Biller on drums, uh, Flans and Miller on guitars, Linnell on the keyboard and the clarinet as well. How about that clarinet solo? So good. I love so it. So good. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're going to hear that uh, in the live versions as well. Uh, what else about the, about the lyrics before we uh, check those out? What are some of your favorite parts or other insights that, that you might draw from this? Well, I'm, I've am i got a weird uh, love of bats, and so I... <laughs> <laughs> I see Batman behind you, the old Batman logo, the old school yes. Batman, yeah. Um, yeah, I love bats a lot. And so it's, it just is coincidental that a song which has a melody that I love so much does happen to mention, uh, (laughs) bat wings flapping just over my head. But, um, I love just the, I don't even know the words to say it, but I love the kind of syncopated way of getting through these lyrics, um, uh, over my bed and overhead, just the way that it 
is kind of beat out is so good to me. Like I there's all this space. Love it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And same with I left my body. Like it, there really aren't very many lyrics in either. And um, yeah. It, yeah. it just gives it time to have this awesome groove. But um, yeah, I, I do love, so there's kind of a, a slightly uh, sadder, bridge i guess like the bridge gets a little dark in my opinion of like the Mm -hmm. shadows lengthen darkness spreads Mm -hmm. it's just it does a lot and it's the type of songwriting that i would aspire to do lyrically in terms of it's really difficult for me to not be um literal (laughs) and so you know getting in touch with this this poetry really is not something that i feel like i have the capacity to do and so did you have to look up the word benighted as well (laughs) i did i actually there are a couple words i had to look up um darkness spreads across a cold benighted land and i'm like oh it's night no that's (laughs) right it means which you you want to tell us what it means (laughs) (laughs) uh i forget already i uh but it does the word night is the word night is right in there so you would think (laughs) it says in a state of pitiful or contemptible intellectual or moral ignorance typically owing to a lack of opportunity or number two overtaken by darkness so that would be more close to like what you'd kind of infer from it um so I guess in the terms of these lyrics, spreads across a cold benighted land, um, maybe it is uh, actually definition number two, overtaken by darkness. Um, yeah, yeah, but it could be both because, you know, I was kind of mm-hmm. reading some of the comments um, on the YouTube video just to, to see what other people thought of the lyrics. And um, there were two that I like copied and pasted, and I think they're from the same guy. He was just spending his day <laughs> writing what he thinks the song is about. But uh-huh. he said, uh, so for example, I'll, I'll read what they say, and then I'll tell you what I think it is. And so basically, uh, one of the guys says, like, I've got it, death. Only in death can we dream all day. The song's about death mm-hmm. and recognizing a sense of beauty and the separation between ecstatic, eternal, bottomless, 10,000 years, sleep, and the ubiquitous, ubiquitous evolutions of suffering, trouble, awful, devil, evil, which are experienced mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. while alive. And then there was another comment, and I'm quite sure it's the same person. The subject is never aware of the trouble, awful, devil, evil. In fact, he seems to be focused on bliss and happiness. There is a problem with disconnecting oneself from trouble, awful, devil, evil. No matter how much one can focus on bliss and happiness, the fact of existence of trouble, awful, devil, evil is inescapable. Who could dream all day? And I really love both of these. And I yeah. um, I relate, uh, I, I personally connected uh, immediately with the second uh, example. I do think that this idea of it um, kind of being more like head in the clouds, like someone who's able to be, you know, unaware of, of all these things. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that they're still around you, like they they are there, like but kind of this blissful ignorance of of every once in a while it does seep into your consciousness and then it could feel quite heavy of like someone who's always kind of happy when they, when they are sad, eventually it almost feels heavier because there's a bigger fall that you had to take to get there versus someone who's always cynical or always has the awareness of the bat wings flapping over their head. Sorry. Can you give me 30 seconds? I need to take our ribs out of the oven. I will be right back. Okay, I'm just so they're ready for grilling later. It is 2 p.m. already here. I know it's still... Yeah, I just, like you said, there's not that many lyrics. It focuses on the chorus quite a bit, but it's a great chorus. And uh, 
it yeah it's amazing and i love all the space like you said just the slow groove i mean you might call this a ballad but it's more like yeah that mid-tempo stuff it's just great song so we're gonna hear two live versions one uh they just released officially uh for purchase if people like live at music hall of williamsburg 11 15 uh they did a duo set and then a full band set so it's a really long album uh if you want to buy it it is very very good sounding because it's not a bootleg it's straight out of the board um Maybe there's some mics around, too, in the crowd. It's just, it sounds really good. So it was the f- really notable for them doing a duo set because uh, they don't really do that. They do this thing called The Quiet Storm. Did they do the, qu- were they doing The Quiet Storm yet when you saw them in 2015? Where they did, like, just them, but with Marty doing, like, ele- electronic drums? I, no, it was a full-on band okay. when I saw them. Um, well, this also- is usually just a portion of the show. Oh, okay. They were doing it in 2018, I know. Maybe. I did come in, uh, I think, again, not knowing anything about what I was seeing. So I think that I True. didn't have the awareness of necessarily what was going on. Yeah, sure. So, um, but them doing like a full, I'm blanking on how many songs it is, but like a full set as a duo where they would have like the reel to reel, like an image of the reel to reel tape player behind them on the screen uh, is pretty pretty notable and people lost their lost their shit over that so they just finally released it with it being five years old just last fall uh so let's listen to the duo version of that right here this song is called trouble awful devil evil Did you like it, Allie? I did, yeah. I, to be honest, I've always, uh, uh, except for like the Beatles and the Beach Boys, I never really care about live recordings. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I, and it's funny because I perform live all the time, but I just always am so interested in, in what did you guys want it to sound like? That's what I want right. to hear. Right. Um, but I, but, but I have found that They Might Be Giants have kind of uh, entered that category of bands that I actually really do enjoy kind of hearing uh, it in all the versions that they have it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really do. Well, it. hey, for people listening and for you, 
I know you don't. You said you don't go on Facebook a whole lot, but if you pop over to the Miscellaneous Tea Facebook fan group, uh, my dude Peter Gritch, who has been on episodes, uh, he is all about like tech stuff, like uh, like upscaling old music videos, uh, digitizing like analog recordings. Uh, he got all these bootleg tapes from a guy named Matt Flood. That's his real last name. He runs Asbestos <laughs> Records and has reissued a bunch of They Might Be Giant stuff, actually. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of other cool stuff, like Against Me and Adam's Package and all this. Uh, he uh, gave Peter all these tapes, and uh, Peter basically digitized them and mastered them. And there are like 20 shows from like 1987 to like 2004 where you can hear like songs like go through the lineups and it's just, it's really fun to hear. There's one from 1993 at CBGB's where, and, and for the banter alone, like Flans, 1993, <laughs> they're on Electra Records. They just got a full band going. It's just pre-John Henry, but they had a full band. And they're at CBGB's, this legendary punk venue. And Flans is like, uh, right after like Meet James Ensor, he's like, I don't know if you all can see the special effects going on, but there are pieces of the ceiling falling down up here. And like everyone laughs. laughs. It's good to know some things never change. And then they go into iPalindromai. It's just really good. Like hop onto Facebook sometime and grab some of those. They're all free. Like on yeah, I will. Mega, mega upload or whatever. You can zip them. Uh, so let's listen to the full band play it uh, three years later at Daryl's house, Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates fame, where they usually do their like tour warm up shows at this little like 200, 300 cap place. So let's check that out. <laughs> What do you think about that one? Again, really liked it. <laughs> I thought it was that really... clarinet solo. Yeah, Man. sounds great. Yeah, they they killed it, and just like Marty back there, just like just so chill on the drums, watching Danny get around the bass. Like I love watching the videos just to see Danny's bass parts because he's just incredible and he's all over the neck. So good, so good. Um, also, though, my engineer brain is like Linnell the best tone from a clarinet comes around the barrel. Like the tendency is like, <laughs> let's point, let's point the bell at the microphone. And I guess maybe if it's like a smaller venue and the PA is not as juiced, maybe you point the bell right at it. But the best tone you actually, like if I was playing the clarinet, I would hold it like this. Right. The tone, the best tone comes out of there. You want it from the wood, not straight out of the bell. Uh, anywho. Yeah. So there's only one cover of this song. And it's from a special comp that my friend put together. Uh, Adam Rivera put out a, uh, it's called They Pay Tribute. And this is from volume one. I wasn't on that one. I have a couple tracks on 
they pay tribute volume two it was a kickstarter thing it's only on cd but some people he let them put it as promotional stuff put their stuff on youtube i sent you the mp3 there but this one actually is on youtube nuclear bubble wrap does a cover of trouble awful devil evil so let's check that out here Did you like that? <laughs> well, I will say that it it lacks a lot of the things that I love about the song in terms of okay. you know the clean production and the the harmonies that I think are so fun and how peaceful and slow it is. That's certainly not what they're trying to do with this cover, and so <laughs> I appreciate what they're doing with it. And I thought it was really fun. Um, and for someone who maybe doesn't like this song as is. They might actually love the cover version. They might be like, okay, this one I like, uh, but I don't yeah. like the original. Whereas for me, I think uh-huh. that uh, I thought it was fun, but I I would be more inclined to listen to a slow cover, I think. But I thought it was really fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, they lean into the evil part of it, I'd say. you know, It gets <laughs> right. kind of spooky. I was actually, I had YouTube on the, the TV just kind of searching for covers that way. And my daughter was like, got up from her nap and was having some milk or something. She's two and a half. And the, I, the video comes on and they just have pretty much just like a graphic, but it's got like these evil eyes above the art for the comp. It's a skeleton with, uh, you know, when the phone inside a rib cage rings, it's not for me. It's a skeleton with a phone in oh, its that's fun. chest. And then he's on the phone. And I'm like, this might be a little scary to her. Like, this sounds <laughs> right. scary. And the image is a skeleton, these evil eyes above it. Uh, but I do like what they're going for. And they made it different, which if you're just going to play it straight up, what's the point? Yeah. Who, who are they? Rivers Cuomo? Yeah. <laughs> God, that Teal album is like, why bother? <laughs> NuclearBubbleRap.com. You can find these guys. It's uh, Jace, let's see, Jace McLean and guitarist Kyle Thorne. Uh, I don't know them personally, but I've seen them around the uh, They Might Be Giants groups and stuff like that. They actually just put out an album, I think, of original material. So actually kind of almost since this cover came out a few years ago, they've really kind of uh, bumped it up in this album, Problem Attic problematic uh may 7th 2021 they just put this out so uh people could go listen to that it's on the spotify and all that stuff i haven't checked it out yet but yeah cool so the last part uh is you need to score this song uh what do you think i never come up with my score until after i've talked to my guest about it uh i don't know if you thought about it ahead of time or if you'd adjust it after our conversation here what do you think comparing it to like 
I mean, Dr. Worm's a 10 for me. I don't know. Sure. See that, but like, oh, I, love- I left my body. If that's a 10, you know, where would this go? I give it like a 9.5. I, I think it is an excellent, beautiful song. The chorus is just so good. It Like the chorus alone is a 10 out of 10. And I think that there isn't something slightly more exciting or fun happening in the bridge maybe would give it a perfect 10. But I love this song. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's 9.8. It's great. I love this song. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm really coming late, uh, coming around to Foam Power because to me, like Glean came out and I'm like, this is an album. Why is a kid's album Foam Power's The Leftovers? And it kind of is, right? By the title, they're kind of like, this is a compilation of the rest. It's kind of like in the 2018 cycle, I Like Fun is the proper album. My Murdered Remains is two discs of My Murdered Remains, what was remaining. It doesn't mean there's not a ton of good shit on there. They wouldn't put it out if it w- if they didn't think it was good. But Foam Power, I'm really coming around to it, having uh, done episodes. like It's just like with The Simpsons. You know, you're like, this episode, is like, yeah, it's an okay episode. But then once you really break it down, you're like, okay, there's a lot of genius stuff here. Um, See, I haven't done that yet, but I, I should. I should. It's well, like when you get to like season 14 or something on the Simpsons, it's like, you're like, Oh, that's past the classic era. Everyone acknowledges that. But then you get to like, I don't know what season was tobacco. Like you get to that. Oh, and you're yeah, like, Tamako's a good one. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe when it was first on, I'm like, ah, this show's kind of losing steam, but you go back and watch it. Like, this is a fucking great episode. I do feel like it's really paralleled to Weezer because Weezer has continued to put out music this entire time. And I love Weezer. I'm very much a Weezer yeah. apologist. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you're I definitely... Matt Damon in the <laughs> SNL sketch. Yes. I feel like that was about me, but yeah, I do yeah. think that there are amazing tracks on every single album, even if there's only one good track or for me, one good track but uh there are a few albums that i didn't like at first that i've since come around on it's just kind of like this actually rules make believe is fantastic beverly hills shouldn't have been the first track make believe is great that's the one song that song beverly hills ruins it and it's just like they came out so hard with that as like this is the new sound of them and it just felt like oh i hate this i would i would have put like uh you really freaked me out as the single which like i don't know if anyone picked that but i love that song you or really like, freaked me yeah out. me too I we are a- all on drugs oh the damage in your heart that should have been the single right yeah i um I think this is such a pity should be the single personally. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so many good ones. Pity. The artwork rules too. I love it. Our love um, to each other. Yeah, that I think that destroys us. That's <laughs> such a good song. It is. Give them some slack, and everything will be all right in the end. Is fantastic album. The I white agree. album was good. White album was great. And then another little dip. Yeah. Yeah, I um. Yeah, no, it's all right. Anyway, you know, this isn't a Weezer. No podcast. offense, but. Go to hell. Or what does David say? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> you can burn in hell. Yeah, no offense, but you can burn in hell. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to give this... I always go lower than my de- guess. I, I just have to. I think of the 215 cycle, uh, Unpronounceable and Music Jail might be my favorites of that cycle. This one... It said something, um, ambulance backwards, which is just what I call it. Could never, blah, blah, I can never say it, um, are amazing. I love you for psychological reasons. This one is up there. I, I, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going eight. That's solid. 
Yeah, on that synth sound alone, even it starts. I know. And I'm just like, oh, I love that thing. It sounds like one of those toys where, like, I don't know if you remember, it's like a little tube and you turn it over and it's like, yeah, <laughs> right. I don't know totally. if you ever had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think we've already plugged a lot of your s- stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to mention before we hang up here? No, I would just say follow me at Allie Gertz. Uh, you could find my first album, Cosby Sweater, and my second album is under my name. Um, and uh, we, I did a charity compilation album a year, a few years back that uh, has um, Nerf Herder on it. It basically it's a dog concept album because uh, there was a hurricane. Oh. There was a hurricane that dip- displaced a lot of animals, and so yeah. my friend Casey yeah. Boyd and I, uh, both former Mad Magazine editors. Um, decided that we wanted to make uh, songs all about dogs. So we had, uh, you know, Perry and Nerf Herder did something about Carrie Fisher's dog. Carrie Fisher just died. And uh, uh, Mark Hoppus. What's the comp called? It's called Dog Songs. Mark Hoppus does a song about the dog from um, the National Lampoon movies and um, <laughs> would you be able to put us in touch because he is a they might be giants fan he's in the gigantic documentary i sent him a message on instagram i've you know i don't know who their manager is but if i could get him on this compilation or to do an episode fucking christ i grew up on blink 182 i mean i remember <laughs> drumming damn it and m&ms in my bands in high school skating going to the skate park listening to blink i mean <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I, I could try. I'll ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, no pressure or anything like that. But uh, it's the comp sounds amazing. And yeah, songs about dogs. And you got Mark Hoppus and you and Nerf Herder. I mean, Mike Kroll, really good punk guy. Uh, what could possibly What could possibly I go wrong? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say the word possibly anymore. It's always possible. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> it's just a matter of when you type it. How do you spell that? I don't know. How is it spelled in the script? Ellie, 
thanks so much for being on. Uh, I, you gave me a little extra time than uh, we went a little over there, but I appreciate you sticking out with me, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day and uh, <laughs> anniversary day. Thanks. So uh, the best to you two, and uh, enjoy it. Thanks so much. People can find This Might Be a Podcast all over the place. This Might Be a Podcast.com. Uh, thank you so much to people who are listening, who paid for this episode. If you couldn't afford to pay for it, that's fine, too. I hope you enjoyed it a month later. Send me voicemails. Did you like it? 224-801-2930. 224-801-2930. Do you like Ali's music? You should go check out the rest. Uh, good stuff. And um, send thoughts, either voicemail or this might be a pod at Gmail. And uh, yeah, smell you later. Cloud wings flapping just over my bed, swooping, whirling around overhead. Trouble, awful, devil, evil. Trouble, awful, devil, evil. Trouble, awful, devil, evil.